Hello and welcome to uh, Damn It Vince. I'm Ellis and thank you if you've listened to previous weeks and welcome to any new listeners. Uh, we've also got Joe. Hello, in my brand new setup with my buttons. I've got sound effect buttons now. This is yeah. blending terror, isn't it? Check um, out the Instagram, you can see his setup that he's got going on there. Oh yes, we have Instagram now as well, whatever that is. Also joining us, the legendary, we've spoken of him many times, <laughs> he has now finally decided uh, to join, oh, he's able to join us, um, it's Butcher. Hello, hello, hello. I'm finally here. Finally here after all this time. Of- <laughs> uh, if you'd like to, you know, tell people how you could, the first week we did this, we told people how we got into into wrestling so so people can catch up. Um, well, I think I noticed when I listened back in the first week, I think, Joe, you said that uh, WCW was on Channel 5 briefly and no one watched it. Yeah, it was terrible. That was my I'm introduction to wrestling. No. Yes, oh, right. um, and it, watching it back now, it was terrible. How I'm still a fan of wrestling, I don't know. There was good stuff to be found. Uh, you had the, like the early days of Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and all the cruiserweights. Cruiserweight division was really good. It was, yeah, I was really focused on it. Yeah, I, I, as a kid, I particularly zeroed in on the filthy animals. If you remember them. Yeah, yeah. Which was Mysterio, I think, Billy Kidman, Conan. And I think that was about when Rey Mysterio's feud with Seth Rollins started. All that time back. And then from there, we didn't have Sky at the time, so I couldn't watch WWF as it was. But then eventually we did, and it, it just evolved from there. I think I started watching WWF around 98-ish and fell in love with it really once the Hardys... Edge and Christian and Dudley's rivalry started. Same for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, pretty much in it then until the usual college break that I think most people have from watching wrestling around that sort of age. And then I got back into it. A friend of mine recommended watching it again because of a guy called CM Punk. He said it was good again because there's this guy who's making it great. And it was around the time of the pipe bomb. I think I started watching it a couple of weeks before that promo. So what was that 2011, I think. And then from there, that just evolved into a deep dive of Ring of Honor, New Japan, PWG. I think this is the one thing, like, well, it's not everything. This is, this is Butcher has a much more encyclopedic knowledge of, of other things that aren't AEW and WWE. There was a few years there where it was... It was all consuming. <laughs> um, it's a healthy thing. It's nothing wrong with it. Like we've always said, people watch EastEnders. This is no more <laughs> than EastEnders. Yeah. But yeah, that pretty much brings you up to now, really. I, I, I don't have as much time these days to watch everything that I used to, which is probably good for my mental health. I don't watch uh, CZW anymore and all the, the, like the deathmatch stuff anymore has been the stuff that's been cut. <laughs> So th- this week, we're, again, looking at some of the latest news of stuff that's happened this week. Actually, the week, we've all got three different segments we want to talk about, which is, I think, the first time, because the last two weeks, me and Joe have just gone for the same thing. There's been a lot this uh, week. There's been a lot, lot of nice week. We are also going to look back at, because Helena Cell is coming up, look back at the classic Mankind and Undertaker match from King of the Ring in 1998, I believe. I want to discuss about the idea of theme pay-per-views, and then we'll make our predictions for the upcoming card, which at the moment is quite small. 
Okay, over to the news. So one of the things I wanted to mention this week was uh, the, the booking of Ali and Retribution, particularly. I mean, I watched Raw on Tuesday morning and I was a bit dumbfounded as to what they were actually doing with that booking and not only losing clean by a tap out of all things as well, but then basically getting annihilated by one entity in The Fiend. It, it didn't feel like the booking you would do for what is now a dominant renegade stable. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on I mean, um, it's nice to announce Ali as the hacker, and his little his little promo bit later on was like, okay, so they are going to run with the hacker thing. Fine, groovy. It was just like you said, it seemed a really weird booking to have a very supposedly dominant force of all these angry individuals who've been passed over, letting them lose to first the hurt business through a tap out. I know it's it's like his finisher is that stupid full Nelson, but then. For the fiend to come in and lay waste to everyone. I mean, knowing what we know now about the last, the, the, the most recent booking for Hell in a Cell, which apparently is um, T, T, T Bar, not T Pain. I must stop calling him T Pain. T Bar <laughs> versus the fiend. It seemed like this was basically a setup to that, which I don't understand. It doesn't yeah. need it. It's weak booking for a brand new stable all around. That, like, like you say, that the promo later on in the show was it was, it was, a, it was a strong, strong promo. Like if that was their only input on the show you'd have come away thinking oh actually they might be might be doing good by them here but it following the opening segment it just completely uh nullifies it doesn't it do do we think they're ever going to be anything but mid cards because the booking suggests that they're not i think the, the way they're being booked currently they're going to struggle to stay in the mid card it's we've been up and down on retribution from the start really haven't we Mm. Uh, because it was all a bit what are they called slap knockers and you know it was all very and then you're like oh okay this can be good and then no it's bad again and it's very up and down i want it to work because I, really I, I think do. yeah I, I think you, you've mentioned previous episodes that i'm i'm such a mark for ali like it, it, that guy is so talented and i want i want him to do well with it and you've got other great members of the group shane farn has been underrated for years i just yeah i, I don't know how you recover from such a poor start time will tell i said give them till christmas if they haven't done anything with them then they'll fade away into obscurity my other takeaway the pairing of peyton royce and lacey evans i'm 100 percent on board with that like the two really oh yeah the well, she, I was wondering what they were going to do with her once she left the Iconics, or the Iconics split up. And having these two sort of self-centered prima donnas, yeah, it'll be fun, if nothing else. I like, I like a bit of goofiness with it. That's that's my other takeaway from that. I just don't understand. I don't understand the booking of splitting a defined, long-standing tag team up, supposedly for a Peyton Rice single push, to then just put her in another not-as-coherent tag team. It could be to have them go together and then have them have the two two of them turn against each other. But it just made me laugh. It was just a genuinely funny bit when they were trying to get in front of each other. And I don't think it's meant to be long-standing team, no, is it? No, it's no. leading to a rivalry. My only other sort of piece of news slash takeaway from this week was that AEW really need to sort out their, um, their healthcare system. In, the, in that four-way tag match at the end of this week's Dynamite, uh, you see Alex Reynolds get completely knocked out by a um, combination leg drop splash, and he's literally out cold, and nobody does a thing. 
he gets dragged to the corner of the ring to like force a tag, but he doesn't roll out the ring. Nobody rolls him out. He's just laying in the corner of the ring, spark out. The ref does nothing. And after the whole Matt Hardy, Sammy thing, you'd think they'd be on their game with with looking after the performers. And I know there's eight men running about going hell for leather, all trying to get the spots in, all trying to sell it. And it was near the finish. So it's all everyone doing their big finishing manoeuvres. But it felt like, oh, you make, you make it difficult to love you at times. When they were off air, Cody comes out and checks and Reynolds leaves under his own power and everything. But it was just like, oh, come on. This was one of the negatives that we had. One of the few negatives we had on the year of AEW pod, wasn't yeah. it? We said they have unfortunately had a bit of a history with injuries and how they deal with them. Might have just been an oversight by the referee he was focusing on. Thingy, but there's people at ringside. Apparently Doc Sampson's there, if he is a real doctor. It could be an honorary thing, like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> but it was just it just made that last segment a bit unbearable. Yeah, it always adds a, a deflates the uh, atmosphere of any show, doesn't it? When something like that happens, a butcher's bringing his independent Ooh, knowledge yeah, here. Yeah, sorry. I, I just wanted to uh, a couple of t- bits from Ring of Honor this at the moment. First one, a uh, bit of good news for. Uh, Former WWE stars that got uh, sacked off in the the mass cull. Um, EC3 has appeared this week on Ring of Honor. He seems to be he's carrying through the same uh, character that is playing on Impact with this sort of disgruntled, motivational, fight clubby kind of thing. So that'd be interesting to see where that goes because he's not the usual sort of style of wrestler that Ring of Honor signed. Really, he's, they, they normally go for much more technically sound. Uh, wrestlers um, so that'll be interesting to see what they do with him uh, and the other bit was it's less news and more recommendation really currently running through there they're running through a pure title tournament which is very focused on technical wrestling uh, the pure title has a lot of unique rules primarily you can only have three rope breaks in a match for yourself once those rope breaks are up you can't escape holds or pins for being under the rope or touching the rope. There's a 20-minute time, 20 minute time limit on everyone, every match. There's no, no closed fists to the face. And it, it churning out some good matches at the moment. Um, if, if you were a fan of, say, the series between Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan, these matches would definitely be worth a watch. Uh, they're up to their semi-finals at the moment, and their weekly show is purely focused on that at the moment. So you're getting two or three really good matches on every show. Yeah, this, this week coming up, I think you've got semi-finals. I'll just check. I think it's Jonathan Gresham versus Josh Woods. I, I like Josh Woods' is a star of the future, I think. I, I definitely check him out. He's got a very um, hockey attitude, but feels very M- MMA kind of style, and he, he's, he's good. And the other semi-final is Jay Lethal, who's been a solid hand in wrestling for years and years, versus Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. No idea where the nickname comes from, but again, a very good, talented wrestler who's been around in the independence for years. And yeah, I think you've got a couple of great matches that could be coming up on the show this week. Uh, One of the matches from the quarterfinals almost made it to be in my uh, match of the week between Fred Yeehai and Tracy Williams. Yeah, very enjoyable match. I'd go and watch it if if you get a chance to. Is it on Fight TV? It's on Fight TV, yeah. Is it free? Yeah. On Fight. Free. Oh, yeah, the well, TV shows are free, yeah. Heidi, right, that's me sorted then. Yeah, they're, they're only... Yeah, the bonus of Ring of Honor TV as well. The episodes are rarely over an hour long and you get the joy of some truly, truly terrible American adverts. Like, <gasps> oh, yeah. Now you're the worst American adverts. Yep. 
Uh, no, it, it went through, Ring of Honor's gone through a bit of a lull in recent years. They've lost a lot of talent to WWE and AEW, but it seems to be, it's picking up again recently. It's, it's on the right track. I like I like that idea of the rope break thing. It, it adds um, a real sporting feel to it. And okay, not many of the matches have actually got to the point now where neither opponent has any rope breaks left. But when it does, there's a kind of urgency to the match that it adds. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a good little addition. Yeah, I think the pure title was the reintroducing it from, I think it was 2006, they disbanded it. Um, Brian Danielson, or Daniel Bryan, as we better know him, was the last order of it. Him and Nigel McGuinness fought the last match for it when they, they unified it with the, the other title. So it's nice to see it back because it's, it, it's just a different vibe to what you get on most American wrestling shows. Okay, on to match of the week now. We've actually got three three segments. I'll go first because mine actually isn't a match. I was going to put a, the triple threat match at Open NXT because I thought it, it was really good. It didn't fall into the normal pitfalls of a triple threat. So I would recommend you go and watch that. It's really good, quite violent. But I have gone for the Chris Jericho and MJF's steak dinner segment on AEW, which while not a match, was still a fantastic segment. And it kind of builds on our first episode when we were talking about the years of Jericho and the, the things he can bring to the table. And I thought it was a fantastic segment, really, and what was quite a serious show, as I know you've mentioned, Joe. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that segment? Because I can imagine it divided some opinions. Oh, the internet is, is is split, as it always is about everything, to be honest. But it ties back to like, the first two episodes that we said. It's like Jericho can turn pretty much anything into gold if he tries. And AEW has that thing of, you want silly stuff? All right, we'll do it, but we'll do it well. Because on Monday, Raw, Elias had that musical concert. So there's been two musical breaks this week, and not to compare AEW to WWE. But Elias's thing was very sort of self-aggrandizing and very, look at me, I've got a record to sell. And this was just two men jerking about for the laugh of it. But it was beautiful. Also, they can both sing. MJF, I know like he was in an acapella group and stuff, but my God, the pipes on that man. Is there nothing he can't do, really? I bet he can juggle. Uh, that, that is news to I me did I did not know, not know that oh there's video yeah. footage of him I think they were called like oh it's very Andy from the office they were called like the acapella boys it's, it's not that I can't remember what they're called he's owned it he's come out and said yeah I did what are you going to do about it you know it's another thing I'm great at have you watched that segment I have not got around to watching the second half of Dynamite yet up to the Phoenix and uh, Penta match um, and then I realised I had to at some point concentrate on work today uh, <laughs> So it stops watching. But you've seen the Phoenix Pentagon match. I am about halfway through it. Oh, I do that, know how it finishes though, so that, don't worry. My, sp- that was my match yeah. of the week. Don't worry about spoiling. I know how it finishes. <laughs> yes. Nice segue then for you. I had really, really high expectations going in for this, seeing their tag team work since the start of them being in AEW and single stuff they've been doing on Dark. Apparently they did some stuff on Lucha Underground, which I'd never seen. But having seen this match, uh, I'm going to go and try and hunt them down. It must be on YouTube or Daily Motion or, or something. Lucha Underground is worth going. It's just something totally different. But what was the thing you sent me the other day? That was Chikara. Yeah, I need to get into that as well. The, that well, sounds the, right up my street. They're out... Um... They've shut down as a company now. I think it was either COVID related or there's some sort of controversy. Maybe I, I've not, I can't recall. But um, yeah, Lucha Underground is different again. It's it, it's shot like a movie, like the backstage segments and things. And a lot of their stuff was they were the first ones to do sort of movie style matches yeah, and stuff, yeah. really, which. Is that what John Morrison kind of? Yeah, John Morrison was in there. Ricochet was in there as Prince Puma. 
there's there's quite a few. Um, Jake Hager was uh, in it. He, a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Put those two together now. Uh, uh, a lot of people uh, <laughs> credit the downfall of Lucha Underground to Jake Hager. So, <laughs> say that as you like it. But yeah, Ross, it right from the bell of that. It was it was a pretty good lesson in Lucha style wrestling. Uh, some pretty good storytelling throughout the match, and they also had Eddie Kingston on commentary. And Eddie Kingston last night through his 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 uh, his promo work against John Moxley and that commentary proves that he should have been signed a long time ago to something bigger because he is gold. Yeah. The stuff between him and Moxley yesterday made me invested in that yeah. fight. Yeah, Kingston has been gold for years. Motsley's promo was good as well in response. Really, really good. But his commentary stuff, again, he's funny. He was threatening JR at one point, which is, you know, either of these can win this and I'd be happy with the outcome of it. I mean, at the end, there's that, there's like a flipping powerbomb he does in mid-air. Heard about this, yeah. And I'm like, what? But then um, Ray Phoenix does like a counter destroyer. The Canadian destroyer. To win the match. And it, I was like, how is he? What? Mm. It, it, I just, think it, it's so weird and beautiful. That was the very uh, comment I read was, it, I think on Twitter, I think someone's saying, I, I've been thinking about it for hours and I still don't know how Phoenix has just done that. I, again, I was like, pause, rewind, pause, rewind. He, his body just like warps at one point. It's it's so strange. But it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful match. This is the story of, of an elder brother trying to protect the younger brother and Phoenix wins in the end goes through next week to fight Omega, which should be an absolute banger. I've been watched those two wrestle a few times in the past. It's certified definitely will be a banger. <laughs> After Omega's 30-second match this week. His entrance did make me chuckle. It as made well, me though. laugh as well. Yeah. He, he once fought in Ohio or something. It was, yeah, it was very good. His entrance was longer than the match. I think they had time to fill. He was very, very shame at man like. Yeah. Announced my Ego. achievements b- before that. I don't know. I, I, I read it as him healing up massively. Like, you, I'm going to big up my ego, raise my hands. Even like when he was applauding Sonny Kiss at the end, it was mockingly done. So I thought it was a very good, subtle, subtle ish heel work. And the, the women, the, the dancers with the, the brushes as well, just as like... That's a little bit of a red herringy sort of thing. It's too on the nose, even for <laughs> wrestling. Is anything too on the nose for I wrestling? Give people a bit more credit than that. Final match of the week? Uh, yeah, I picked the, uh, in New Japan, the final of the G1 climax between Kota Ibushi and Sanada. It was, I don't know if you ever watched the G1, but it's yearly, it contributes some of the best wrestling matches of the year. This is was not one of the best of the tournament, but it was still a great match. It took a while to get going. Kota seemed to be a bit sluggish at the start, and I'm not sure whether it was purposely done or, or what, but it took a while to get going. By the end, the final stretch of the match was just yeah it was it was fire and uh, to see all the the japanese crowd break the law together by actually chant shouting instead of just clapping was brilliant because they've been ruled that they can have crowds but they're not allowed to they can only clap they're not allowed to chant or shout and by the end of the match the whole arena was breaking the law together and it was brilliant <laughs> yes <laughs> so i thought that was a sign of how good the match was but again uh kota 
Ibushi ended up winning for that's the second year in a row. He's won the G1 climax now, so he will go on to Wrestle Kingdom for the title now. And hopefully, I think a lot of people want him to win the title at it this year because I think a lot of people feel like he got screwed out of it last year. It should, it should be good from here on until I think Wrestle Kingdom's January. Yeah, over two nights, isn't it? But just to explain, like, once again, like, I, I watched that match back because you mentioned it and I agree with everything you said. Like, what is the G1 as a, as a tournament? Like, how does it work? Yeah, I know it's, it's pretty. In- it's, it's, yeah, it's very intense. I mean, um, our, our friend Steve would be able to explain it better. But um, basically, it's a round robin. It usually starts in August, but I think they started a bit later this year. It's a round robin. They have two blocks, A block and B block of, I think it's 10 wrestlers in each. And everyone fights everyone. And you get two points for a win, one point for a draw. Whoever wins the blocks by the end of it, face each other in the final. And the final, obviously, like I say, the, the winner always gets to headline Wrestle Kingdom which is essentially their WrestleMania. And it's yearly. It's It churns out classic matches. I don't know. The, the one that sprang to my mind then, because I think it's because we've just been talking about AEW. Last year, John Moxley was took part in it. And he had one of the best matches I think I've ever watched with Minoru Suzuki. It was, it was so intense, this match. <laughs> Like did beat the crap out of each other, but yeah, every, every year it has absolute classic matches. I was going to ask about that. Uh, I remember Motley entering because he said it was kind of a bit of a dream for him. Didn't he? Did he? Have, did he have to pull out? Is that when he got his shoulder, his his injury? I think came I back. Think, I, I think it might have been after that. I think I was. I can't recall. He, he definitely. He, 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 if he, if it was during it, he wrestled most of it. I think because he got quite a few wins under his. It belt. Might be in his title because he, he held a title. He didn't still he, does hold the, the US, US title. He, he yeah, lost. I was going to ask that. Um, I think he couldn't defend yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah he, there was an injury. He wasn't there for a while, and he couldn't defend it. And then he lost it. I think Lance Archer, in fact, took it off him. And then they had a match once he was healed up again, and Ambrose won it back. And he still holds it from then, as far as I know. And but he's just not been able to defend it because of the world ending. Be good to see. I think everyone's starting to hold out hope that there might be the starts of a budding relationship after seeing Tanahashi on Dynamite last week. Was yeah, it? there was a lot of people hoping that there was going to be some sort of AEW yeah, crossover. From what I read, I think there's still a fair bit of bad blood there because everyone just up sticks and left New Japan to farm AEW, basically. They lost Cody, the Bucks, Omega, Page, more than that, probably. I, I can't think of any of that off the top of my head. Well, but... Gun Club, wasn't it, and all that sort of nonsense. Bullet Club, sorry, yeah. Yeah, all the Bullet Club. Yeah, they are. <laughs> the I, Gun Club, yes. very different. <laughs> I'm not getting down that road again. Hey, it's, it's speaking of the gun club though, flipping what's it, Billy Gunn's son, uh, Austin, he's been a low-key MVP of the COVID era. The amount of energy he puts into his ringside Austin, performances is How, brilliant. His, his, yeah. his cardio must be <laughs> obscene. He is, I think he's the unofficial coat holder of everyone who comes out. He's just because he's always just got people's <laughs> coats on when they do wide shots and stuff. He's not the best yeah. wrestler, but he's the best person to have at ringside. So on to our classic match retrospective and this week in honour of Hell in a Cell uh, there's only really one match we could look back at which was Taker versus Mankind or if which you was will, just a I can do The Undertaker versus Mankind uh, um, The Undertaker versus Mankind Yeah I've got one <laughs> <laughs> Love that <laughs> I like how you could you, you could only reprogram a, like a very limited amount of buttons. <laughs> couldn't find anything else. That. Love that. That's brilliant. Which was uh, King of the Ring, nineteen ninety eight, I believe. This King of the Ring, nineteen ninety eight, the third yeah. WWE 
Hell in a Cell match. Yes, the second singles one, but the third, third Hell in a Cell. Well, the second one at a pay per view. Yeah. Just in case anyone isn't aware, because we're trying to sort of. Hell in a Cell is like a normal steel cage match where they have steel cages all around the ring. Instead of it covering just the, the ring itself, it covers the ringside area and there is a roof on the thing that stands at this point it was five meters high it's now been increased to just over six meters there's no dqs there's no count outs the only way to win is by pinfall or submission first one bad blood between john michaels and the undertaker if you haven't seen it go and watch it because it's beautiful it really gets over the point that the cell is a brutal horrible structure and it's also the introduction of kane one of the greatest debuts i think yeah, I think at some point we will have to cover this as well because it is a really, really good match. Then there's a, there's a weird tag match on Raw that I don't think you see the finish of because it happened after they went off air between Undertaker, Undertaker Stone, Cold. Stone Cold and Kane and Mankind. But this one at King of the Ring was the sort of one that, for me, sears it, Hell in a Cell, into your brain. It's the iconic one. It's the iconic one that everyone goes to. And I know it's cliche that we went to this, but it is one of those things that it's the first thing I remember watching and going, I hope he's not actually dead. Cause... Exactly what Undertaker thought. <laughs> he said. The map. When, when, when we get to it, like um, when when Foley sort of brought it to Taker, he said, "Like, yeah, I want you to throw me off the roof." Me and me and Terry Funk have been talking about this, and he's like, "Mick, you're going to die," and he's like. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. I can do it. Apparently, on the day of, Vince came over to him and said, "Have you been on top of the cage?" And Mick Foley's like, "I told the biggest lie of my life and said yes," and then Vince said. And you think, and you're okay with doing this? He says, and then I told the next biggest lie of my life and said, yeah, I'll be fine with it. It's really high up. It doesn't look it, but it is. And he's scared of heights. I didn't realise that until today. He's he's scared of heights, Mick Foley. But the match itself from start to finish is is a brutal, brutal affair. You you could never consider it a classic mat wrestling match, but could you? But it's classic in its own right, isn't it? For for many reasons. I think it's hard. Sometimes you forget that that, like iconic being thrown off the match is literally pretty much start of the match. Like these things normally come at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, that, they, they that's come the, out. That's the, how it starts. I think Foley said after watching the Michaels take a match, he's like, "We need to take this to the next level." And that's why when the match starts, he climbs on top of the cell with a chair, and he's like, "We're starting on the roof." And Jerry Lawler's like, "He's on the roof. What's what's happening?" Well, the commentators didn't know what was going to happen a lot of people didn't know what was going to happen so there was no padding underneath the the commentators booth where he fell do you remember when every week the spanish announcers table would just get kicked through it's a sad loss to wrestling that it isn't <laughs> at ringside every week anymore if it was if it was like a not serious match the spanish announced they will get kicked through if it was serious the american commentary yeah. table was stuff smashed. was really going down then take take it comes out i think we're in classic sort of evil taker mode at this point aren't we they get on the roof Taker climbs up. There's a little bit of a little bit of back and forth, and then Taker literally throws him from the roof through the Spanish announce table from height from there to there, six seven meters straight down. And Foley sort of turns in midair but lands badly and dislocates his shoulder, leading to Jim Ross. It's like the, the, the classic scream of "Good God Almighty, they've killed him!" And it does look bad. It's a high fall. There's never been anything like this before, even in sort of like really extreme, yeah. hardcore death match. Like Ellis said, they didn't put the padding under the announce tables then like they do now. No one's done stuff like this. I mean, it, it breaks and absorbs yeah. some of it. I mean, everyone ran out then, didn't they? And apparently a lot of them, like including Terry Funk, that running out. It was genuine. Oh, Terry Funk was running out. And he's like, is that? Even Vince comes out. And at this point, like Mankind and Vince were sort of not liking each other. 
and there's a genuine look on Vince's face of, of we may have just murdered someone on live television mm. again. Again. Um, so they, they, they raise the cage up, but the Undertaker's still on it so they can get stretcher in because Mankind at this point is broken. They wheel him out. Taker's just stood up there looking like, I mean, what can he do? Mankind comes off the trolley. They lower the cage. He climbs back up the cage with a dislocated shoulder. Match was meant to have ended then as well. Like with the injuries that he sustained, the match was meant to be over. And he, and he was like, no, I'm getting back up. Mick Foley climbs back up. When he gets to the top of the thing, you can tell he's completely out of breath. He's completely knackered. There's a bit of, there's, there's some chair shots. And then the, the sort of iconic bit happens where The Undertaker slams mankind through the roof, choke slams him onto the top of the cage. But yeah. the, um, the the panel breaks and he falls straight onto his back onto onto the mat underneath and then gets popped on the head by the chair. And at this point, he's completely out cold, yeah, like spark out. And again, it, Jim Ross is like, all right, enough's enough. Stop the match. Like, because none of them were told, this is ridiculous. We don't want to see people die. And again, people come out. They open the cage up. Everyone comes running in. Is this where he gets his... Yeah, it's where Mick Foley's eye tooth gets pierced through his lip into his nose. Yeah, from the chokeslam, yeah. This is also the bit as well, where um, yeah. Taker swings down, lands, does a bit of a wobble, because it turns out he's doing the entire match on a broken foot. And you're like, you you gentlemen are... are... A lot of people, like they, well, they always show the replay of getting thrown off the, through the Spanish announce table, but they, they both say, in fact, it was the chokeslam spot that was the most dangerous. And that, that was the one, because as you said, it went straight on his back. I don't necessarily think it was planned from what they've said. No, it wasn't planned, no. No, and Taker said himself, I thought, he'd, I thought I'd killed him with that spot. And when he started moving, he thought that's a one tough son of a gun in The Undertaker's words. Previously, on the way across the top of the cell, floor gives yeah, way. I was going to say the same thing, yeah. At that point, why do you not stop and think, maybe the chokeslam spot we're going to do is not a good idea? Taker is on on the supports all the way through it because he realizes that it can't take his weight, can't take both their weight. Yeah. But I think it's literally held on with bloody cable ties. It looks like they've just got a load of black yeah. cable ties and lashed it on. And I'm like, you've got two sort of what, two hundred and odd pound men over there. Yeah, I, I I'd read somewhere that the the Gary put the cell together, rigged it together purposefully that it did buckle a bit to show the impacts but it obviously it wasn't meant to break and then take a realizing how unsteady it was when he was going to do the choke slam takes a step back on like you say onto the support because he, he doesn't feel like he's going to get the lift without having that support but if that's the case why is why 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 carry on with that spot <laughs> it's a good job Foley. and thinking in the, the the day off documentary thing he says I didn't go up the full height I normally would because I was so knackered. And if I had done, I would have over-rotated, landed on my head, and I probably would have been paralysed. So there's an awful lot of, of someone looking down on you at this point because he's a very, very lucky man. I'll, I'll just read the, the list of injuries that he actually got from it. I, I, I jotted down. So he, he lost two teeth, one of which went up through his nose, as you mentioned. It does give you that iconic photograph of the time where he's bloodied in the corner, smiling yeah. with just the tooth. Hanging out of his nose. I was going to put it on our socials, but I thought it might be a bit too gruesome for <laughs> a picture. His, uh, he obviously needed a lot of stitches below his lip because of the teeth. He dislocated his jaw. He dislocated his shoulder. He got concussion and he bruised his kidney. Oof. 
That's that was a list of injuries he obtained throughout the match. Why does bruising your kidney sound like the worst of them all? Like... <laughs> I was like, I can take a concussion, but my kidneys are inside my body. And it was, I mean, I, I hadn't actually watched it. I'd, I'd seen the highlights and stuff like that you see on TV, but I hadn't actually watched it properly until earlier this year because my, my son is very into, he's only five, but he's very into wrestling now and he likes the hell in a cell format Matt. and i was like oh i'll show you i'll put this match on for you um because you'll like hell in a cell and i put it on and uh, my wife bernie was here as well and she, she's not into wrestling and obviously it starts straight away with the throwing off the top and i just looked over and like my son theodore was like that's amazing and my wife's face she was just like her head was in her hands like what the hell have i just watched and then it just continued and she was just like staring at the screen like this is unbelievable because and it goes back to this thing that we said on week one as to why do we watch wrestling and people laugh at us oh you're watching wrestling that's not real well i've just read out (laughs) read out a series of injuries that somebody got from something which are very very real and he was willing to put himself through that for the entertainment of us, basically. Yeah. Which you, you need to to be a special sort of, sort of crazy to do that. Big Foley, isn't it? He's always been that special kind of crazy. Committed. Yeah. <laughs> but just to, yeah. just just to finish it off, Foley gets up somehow. Uh, Undertaker, like I think, choke slams Funk. Yeah, he beats everyone. Up, yeah. yeah. His shoes come off as well. <laughs> Funk's shoes come yes. off. Yeah. <laughs> which is something you don't see enough of nowadays. People being choke slammed out of their shoes. Cactus Jack starts. Uh, Cactus Jack. Mick Foley starts getting the upper hand. He brings out the famous sack of thumbtacks, throws it on the ground, gets back dropped into them, gets choke slammed into them, and then gets tombstoned. And then. Finally, he's pinned. But he's very proud of the fact, McFoley, that he's still sold. Even when he was being pinned, his right leg is still going. Like, I've still got something left in me. And he was very proud of, of that, even though at this point he was concussed and didn't know where he was. They bring a stretcher out for him. Uh, he co- Apparently, he covers his mouth with his arm and he's like, have I already been on a stretcher tonight? He can't remember. Yeah. He's that nasty. <laughs> and he I can't go out on a stretcher. I have to walk out. So, like, other people pick him up and carry him out. And it is... That iconic image of, of, I think it gave mankind that resurgence that he needed at this point because he'd become a bit of a, of a joke character. But it is, having watched this on TV, it is that, that one match that made me go, oh, this is not, this is not like any wrestling yeah. I've ever seen before. I think my uh, favourite story from it is apparently, I can't remember, I think it comes from McFoley's uh, autobiography, is that when they got to the back, he said, mankind said to take a, did, did, did we remember to use the thumbtacks? And Taker just says, Mick, look at your arm. <laughs> and he's just covered in them. Shows you what state he was in. When they got back to Gorilla, Vince says, I appreciate what you've done for this company, but I never want to see anything like that ever again. And I don't think there was for a very long time because I'm assuming they got in quite a lot of trouble for it because of it just being so incredibly, incredibly violent. Not even... Like particularly through choice by a series of, of errors. Trying to think when the next time someone actually went off the cell was. The next one I can think of is Rikishi and the Six Man. But that was on to hay bales, yes. But I can't think of it one was, before yeah, that. that was four, four. Yeah, that was four. The, the ones that came between them two were Mankind and Kane, which was a no contest, Taker and Big Boss Man. And one that I think you want to look back on, which was a Triple H and Cactus Jack. Oh no, you want to look back on the Royal Rumble match, don't you? But then, then they, then they did go and have a Hell in a Cell match. They did, which was also very good. That's the one where he goes through the ceiling, but it's um, it's rigged properly, isn't it? How you rig that properly, I don't know, but yeah. (laughs) 
You're still falling. Still falling. You're still falling. Mick Foley's like, I've done it once. I survived it. <laughs> why not? Why not tempt the gods? Oh, he does, doesn't he? Because they, they they set it up as if Triple H is going to go through it, and then because he doesn't, he set the um the barbed wire on fire yeah. on top of the, the Hell in a Cell or something. We'll cover this at some point. I don't want to ruin it all now. Give all the information away. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It is you'll be able to find it on free. It is King of the Ring, 1998. I just put in Undertaker versus. <laughs> the first one that comes up. So next, the uh, hot topic I wanted to discuss was the um, the idea of themed pay-per-views because obviously this week we've got Hell in a Cell coming up and I've done a little bit of research on this. So firstly, I actually want to ask you two, two a question. So apart from the one that we've just talked about, Taker and Mankind for obvious reasons, tell me your top three Hell in a Cell matches. Like as soon as I say Hell in a Cell, what are the three matches that come to your mind? So Joe? And we're not allowed to use Taker versus Mankind? No, I should have talked about that one. Because obviously that, that's the obvious Shawn one. Michaels one. Shawn Michaels Taker, the first one, because I've just rewatched that. The Triple H uh, Cactus Jack one. And I'm struggling now. Oh, I'll say the Charlotte Flair ladies one, the first ladies one, because that was pretty good. Against Sasha Banks, yeah. Uh, yeah, those are the, the first two. Uh, the ones, and then I'll say, cause, just because it was the first women's one. Cool, thank you. And um, think uh, Obviously the Bad Blood one. I think the... F- First one that came to my mind was Take a Triple H at Mania. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, fairly recent, in the last decade, I think, anyway. And actually, the Usos and New Day. Yes, that yeah. was a very good one, yeah. The uh, Triple H and Take one was in Mania 28, 2012, eight years ago. And then, yeah, that, that tag one was very good. That was um, a very unique. I don't know if you've seen that one, Joe, but Hell in a Cell. I can't remember what year it was. They have a, first ever tag team title match in Hell in a Cell. Two, two or three years ago, I think, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was excellent. Now, the only reason I asked you that question, it's actually quite interesting because you both gave me an example that have come from the Hell in a Cell pay-per-views. But I really don't like the, the idea of themed pay-per-views where they take a match type which is iconic for very good reasons and then they turn it into a pay-per-view which is just a card full of their matches for example so i did a little bit of research and in the history of the hell in a cell so remember in the first match was bad blood 1997 which you both say is a memorable match to go back and watch against Shawn michaels and the undertaker there's been 42 matches to date and out of them 42 23 of them have come at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which has only been around since 2009. So in the last 11 years, we've had 23 Hell in a Cell matches all at one pay-per-view, which is basically designed to just, let's have a Hell in a Cell match because everyone knows that match. Whereas previously, they were done to, to end a feud. They were done because there was no other thing left to do. And now it just feels like something will do. And the other damning thing on it is since the inception of the pay-per-view in 2009, there's only actually been three Hell in a Cell matches that isn't on that card. And one of them was a dark match out of all things on a Raw. So the only ones since the inception of the pay-per-view, there was a Raw dark match, was John Cena versus Alberto Del Rio, Punk, Dolph and Swagger. So a one-on-four match and Cena won in a dark match in 2011. There is Triple... Light was dark. Yep. Uh, Triple H and Undertaker, which you mentioned, Butcher, uh, in 2012 at WrestleMania 28. And then the Undertaker versus Shane McMahon at Mania 32 in 2016. And they're the only three since the pay-per-view has started that have had a Hell in a Cell match. So I kind of feel like we're cramming them all into a pay-per-view because we've got this theme pay-per-view we must do Hell in a Cell matches on. But then we're also removing that as a as a match to end a feud as it used to be used. This is what I was when we when we got around to our Hell in a Cell predictions, I had somewhat similar to this. Because basically who wants to watch Elias and Hardy 
in a in a cell match. Nobody. It doesn't make sense. Are they in the cell? They're not in the cell. Oh, are they not? Oh, are they not? No. So there's oh. currently four matches on the card. They're the only one that's not hell in a cell match at right. the moment. Okay, because right. I thought it seems seems silly. But yeah, this is what I was saying is that like having seen the, the damage and destruction that the cell can do in those early matches of it, of its first couple of inceptions, it was always supposed to be a last resort. It was the, like, we have no place left to go with this, so let's put them in a cell and let them kick seven bells out of each other. And now, like you say, when we have this card of three matches that, I mean, Reigns and Uso, I don't think that's been brewing long enough to warrant a Hell in a Cell match, especially an I Quit Hell in a Cell match. Mm. Oh, it's the first one. It doesn't make sense in a Hell in a Cell to have an I Quit match. It's not about that. It's about brutalizing someone so they can't stand up. McIntyre Orton, I mean, I'm, I'm going through my predictions now, but I, I don't really care anymore. They've done it. They've done it. <laughs> they've done it three times out of the past four pay-per-views. Normally, if it's best three out of two, it's one each side, then the last one's the decider. But McIntyre's won the past two ones. There's nothing left there. Bailey and Banks is the only one I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm Sorry. excited for that one too. But... Even that one, I think, feels very soon in the rivalry to be having a hell in a cell. It was meant to go longer, but COVID or injury took someone off the roster, I think. I think, I think um, Sasha Banks was supposed to be out a bit longer and came back early. Right. Nikki Cross couldn't fight Bailey at the last paper. There we go. Yes. So I think it was meant to brew longer, not be at Hell in a Cell, and then possibly go mm-hmm. to the next one. Fair enough. Like we're using Hell in a Cell as an example, but it's not the only one. They they've got a pay per view TLC, and you mentioned you know at the start butcher about what got you into wrestling, and I was the same because you know we're yeah. we're, in, we're same age roughly that that TLC yeah. era that they created and special matches, and now there's a pay per view on it where you'll get a tables match. You'll get a ladders match, you'll get a chairs match, yeah. and then you'll get a TLC match. And it just it devalues what our special matches. Now, you still watch the pay-per-views and get excited because you know you're going to see some amazing things and spots. But when I just looked at them numbers, I was like, 42 matches. You know, after this weekend, it'll be 45 because there's three Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah. It's a completely, completely devalues the, the, the match, like you say. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's They just end up shoehorning matches into them and they, they just don't suit them. Like you say, the TLC matches were, they were so specific specific to that rivalry well every one brought their own bit wasn't it the Hardys yeah. had ladders Dudley's had, chair, um, had tables so it, well, it seemed like a natural evolution yeah whereas now you've just got people going yeah we'll do it and I, I hate yeah, I hate the build-ups to TLC when you start seeing them like backstage and then they go and find some chairs and you're like oh, okay I know Is it that time you, of you, year? Have, you have two weeks when they're beat, beating each other with a ladder or a chair and you're like I see where this is going and it's like I would also add to the list I think Survivor Series, I think it has that sort of vibe to it as well these days. Just It used to be like you'd have teams of people who w- were in a feud with each other, an, an intense feud that would get some buddies and fight. Whereas now it's, oh, it's that time of year we need to do Survivor Series. Let's put some red and blue T-shirts on and oh, fight the people yeah. that we were fight like friends with a matter of a month ago. Like, it, yeah, it completely devalues it having to have that match every year. Do you like you say with Hell in a Cell, it's at minimum they have two every year now in in, in one pay per view, usually more. There's there's themed pay per views that work for a specific match type, like Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank. They make sense. They're a competition that everyone looks forward to. Yeah, the, the ones Hell in a Cell, TLC. Bring back Inferno matches. <laughs> oh, the last one of them wasn't great, was it? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no I couldn't agree more. The, the 
they're not good, the themed pay-per-views. Even uh, Extreme Rules has a similar vibe, I think, to it. You, you get rivalries having these last mass, last man standing matches. Yeah. Uh, they've only been a rivalry for a week, and it's coming to a match that would normally end a three or four-month rivalry. Cool, which leads us lastly on to the, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which we've just nicely built up with a <laughs> takedown of theme pay-per-views. But at the moment, we've only got four matches on the card. We'll, we'll start from the bottom, which you've already mentioned, um, which is, as we know, is uh, we believe is just a normal match. Jeff Hardy versus the Elias, whose new album is out next week, apparently. Not that that was hammered down our throats this week. It feels like it. Yeah, I, I won't be buying that. Who cares? Literally, who cares? And Jeff's, Jeff's going to win. Elias and Hardy. The riddle who ran Elias over has been answered. So why is this still an ongoing thing? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Is it just to fill up a card? I mean, Hardy's probably going to go out and do something ludicrous because, you know, as a nearly 50-year-old man that he is, or whatever, why not swan on off the top of the cell? He's not even doing it in the cell anymore. That whole bit's gone. No, he's just going to be a normal match. I thought at least he could go out in a blaze of back pain and glory. Yeah, boring. Put it on the pre-show. I don't have to watch it. It could end up being on the pre-show. Well, you know, I mean... (laughs) Yes. I was watching earlier on today, there's there's a series on the network called uh, The Day Of. So every pay-per-view they have, they kind of have this little 15-minute documentary where they follow like a certain match um you'd probably like the the last one butcher because it's following Sami Zayn before the triple threat match the ladder match which has obviously got Jeff Hardy in it and Jeff's talking about you know you know I helped make the ladder match but then he was like my body now isn't what it was and I just go out there and hope for the best really and at at the end AJ's like well yeah I got handcuffed to a ladder but at least I didn't get swanton bomb through a ladder or have to do the swanton bomb or get a ladder hooked onto my ear and it shows Jeff in the back with his ear kind of dangling down. And he's like, I, I was genuinely scared. But like he was like, I, I thought I was going to rip my ear apart. It seemed like a good idea beforehand. So, yeah, you could do something crazy, but I, I don't really see much in this. And it saddens me because I really want, I love Jeff Hardy. My nostalgia is, I, I just want, I want to see Jeff in a top program. I just want Jeff to be sober and to retire and be happy. <laughs> I don't want to see him jumping off anything anymore. <laughs> Well, he, he said in that documentary, I didn't, I didn't realize. I thought it would be more. He said, "I've been really lucky in my career. He's only ever had two surgeries, and they both come now when he's in his forties." I was like, "Wow!" Like considering the things he's done, he's only ever had two surgeries in his life, yeah. which is, you know, that, that's crazy. Well, yeah, for for someone who does what he does, and listening to his interview, he did. But he he kind of hinted he'd signed a new contract, and that one of the things that he'd put in the stipulation is that he gets no more words back as a theme song but only when the fans come back, which makes me wonder if like he's just treading water here because they're waiting to push him yeah. when fans come back because I can imagine quite a big pop going for when that music hits. Like those who remember his, his push when he when he won the title back in the late noughties. Yeah, it's a possibility. That's a good call. Yeah, I never thought of that. Are they not getting... Are they not getting fans back at some point because Florida's, like, yeah. mental? There's rumours of it, yeah. Haven't they, haven't they just been uh, flagged as like three of the top 10 hotspots mm-hmm. for COVID or something? I'm <laughs> in yeah, Jesus school, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see on that one. I want, I, like, like Butch said, I want Harley to be happy, healthy, uh, and go and go. I, want, I secretly want him to go to AEW in the same sort of role that Matt's in as like a mentor, occasionally comes out and does stuff. But that's just me. I just want to see so the Hardy boys reunited for one. One last hurrah. I would love another yeah, 
I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see another run of um, his Willow character that he had in TNA. That'd be fantastic. But as far as that match is concerned, they held, I'm actually going to pick Elias for winning myself. I'm going to go Hardy. With with him returning, they've always been quite big on Elias, I think. For some reason. Mm, I, th- I, th- I think they might give him the win. Yeah, it could, could be a show. Like Jeff can absorb losses because of who he is, really. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. If he's treading water, then... Yeah, and his reputation isn't going to get diminished at all at this point in his career, whereas a win over Jeff for Elias, that's that's a sign of faith. Poor man, honky tonk man. <laughs> The uh, uh, second of the four matches that we know is uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship between Bailey as a champion versus Sasha Banks, which is, it, it's a weird one for me. This I'm, I'm like so excited to see it and so disappointed I'm seeing it, if that makes sense. Because the two of them in the ring are magic, but I just, I wanted this at WrestleMania. I wanted the match to be at WrestleMania. So there's a part of me that's disappointed it's happening yeah. right now. Again, I think it was meant to be and they've had to rush the entire thing forward due to injury and, and COVID. I don't think it needs to be in a cell. No. Too soon. They've got other things other things they could have done before it came to this. I mean I still think it's gonna be a, a, an absolute banger. I think Sasha Banks mm. has come on leaps and bounds as a wrestler. Her counter work and stuff like like you've said previously is astonishing. Really, really good. Friendship turn thing which was building up for a long time. And especially I mean I, everyone goes back to the Brooklyn takeover in twenty fifteen as the the sort of de facto match between the two of them. And it is, I, I mean, I still go and watch that fairly regularly because it's it's great. It's that thing of two women. There is a, have you watched the, Butch, have you watched the day off of that one? I've not watched any of the day offs now. It's a, it's a chronicle, that one. Oh, it's, oh all right. Oh. <laughs> I might have watched that then. I might have watched a, chron- a chronicle come up. The story up. of them both coming up. And then literally both of them sat there before the match, shitting their pants, basically going like, this is it. This is the big time now. They just go out and they give it hell for leather. And I'm assuming that's what they're going to do now. It does worry me a bit what Sasha might do in a cell whenever she's in this sort of match, because <laughs> she's not uh, known for looking after herself in some spots, is she really? This yeah. is going to be her third she's, cell match. Is it a third? She, I thought it was a Because uh, uh, an underrated match she had was she, she fought Becky Lynch there last year. Yeah, she did, didn't oh, she? Right. Some yeah. amazing, amazing spots. That was quite a brutal match. So they had the match with Charlotte, which was the first women's. The one with Becky, which was better than the one with Charlotte, but it didn't get the hype because it wasn't the first one. And then obviously this one now. When um, Sasha Banks wins this, gets the title and holds it for longer than two minutes. <laughs> Never uh, defended her title. <laughs> I think she deserves it. I think she's put a lot of work in throughout this entire world plague. And it's like it's not an ideal time to be a champion because you haven't got that crowd reaction to you coming out. And it's not the same, which is why I sort of feel really sorry for Drew McIntyre because yeah. he won his championship at WrestleMania, which should be like the highlight of anyone's wrestling career. And it was to, a, to nobody. And so I hope Banks gets it and holds it until at least they have a crowd back. Some credit to WWE, really, because we talk about that they can't book long-term things. But this has been going on since like March, like subtly going on since March. Like even the match at WrestleMania, the, I think it was a fatal four-way, and there's like amazing cinema shots of like Bailey with a championship in the air, and Sasha just stood behind, like basically in the dark, because the spotlight's on literally on Bailey, and you can just see her stirring down the championship. And it's, it's been, it has been well built, and it's just a real shame it's happening in this in this COVID era. I think it was meant to be a Mania headliner, but 
due to injury and world plague, you have to push it forward. You've got to go, you know, with what the business demands, haven't you? Really? See, I I wouldn't have minded it happening if they'd have separated them in the draft. So if we'd have separated them in the draft, Bailey had have won this and basically just then spent months gloating, like I'm better than Sasha, proving to her that I can beat her. And then you get back to the, now we're going to have the Royal Rumble match. Now we can get to the WrestleMania. But because they're on the same brand, they, they can't really do that as well. I mean, they could. Bailey could just block Sasha from having a title opportunity. That could be what she does this week. She says, okay, I'll have the match, but if I win, you never get to, you don't get to go for it again. Yeah. And obviously Royal Rumble was the, the claws out of that. I think they'll put on an excellent match. And the promo last week, don't know if you watched it on SmackDown. I thought it was fantastic. The whole Bailey was like, you were going to turn on me. And then I just love the fact Sasha played on the history. She was like, who is the one that rang you when we all got called up and you didn't from NXT? And it was me. Who is the one that brought you up to the main roster? At, I can't remember what the pay-per-view was, but she had a mystery tag partner and she brought Bailey. And she was like, that was me. Who is the one that was there with you throughout this reign? It was me. She went, I've never, ever turned on you. And when you actually think back on it, you're like, actually, she's on the main roster. She hasn't. She very nearly did at Elimination Chamber, didn't she? Did, she? Yeah. she kicked her off the chamber. Yeah. It's a little, does that count? A little bit of gratitude between friends, yeah. <laughs> I want Sasha to win, but I think Bailey's going to win. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one to call, really, isn't it? it? There's not an obvious winner in it. I think, personally, uh, I like. I think I'd go with Bailey myself for winning it, and I like your that the idea you just mentioned of Bailey vetoing any further chances for her, and then uh, Banks winning Royal Rumble. That'd be a good way to go with it. McIntyre and Orton. For the WWE Championship. Another, all these matches are Hell in a Cell matches now, just to clarify that we're talking about i mean hopefully this is the end of it because that's the best outcome the best of outcome, it, isn't it? it mcintyre wins and then they can go off and and have their own new lives with other people to feud against and stuff because like i said it's the, it's the third match out of four pay-per-views mcintyre is as over as he's going to get in a crowdless environment he deserves something better he deserves to go up against someone i don't know can further him more than Randy Orton can. He's done as much as he can do. He's got four legends behind him, McIntyre. Who would you have him I don't, uh, rival I don't know, next? but just, yeah. I'm, I'm just sort of bored with this. Well, we, we, we thought the ambulance I, I, match was it. Like, that seemed yeah. the match to, 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 mm. to end it. That's why I kind of feel like they might give the win to Orton. I think they've booked this match because they want to get the title onto him, myself. And then the feud continues because then they'll have a rematch. And then the feud will end. <laughs> it's so boring. I do see where you're coming from, though. I mean, when we talked about the ambulance match, I said the exact same thing with the exact same reason for the ambulance match. And I remember talking to you, Joe, on the, the unheard podcast that we did, uh, that I thought Orton was going to win the ambulance match, and then, then, he, then he didn't. I mean, Orton's reason for getting a shot here is just, it's the laziest booking I've ever seen. Where well, he basically said, yeah, I've lost, but... I'm Randy Orton, I can do what I want, so I want another match. And it's like, there you go. Yeah. Like, doing that forever then, isn't it, until yeah. you win. <laughs> it makes me think this is... Still good... the heat death of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> It'll never stop. I-, I hope Drew wins. I want Drew to win. Um, there's a... If you haven't watched it, you know, the on the network, they have these 24 documentaries, and they're all amazing. Like, they're, they're really insightful. But the one on Drew McIntyre I watched today, literally, by the end, I, did, I had a tear in my eye, because it shows him literally watching WrestleMania with his wife when he beats Brock. And he's like, it's like a home video camera of him watching it with the title on his shoulder and his wife throwing popcorn over him. 
And then at the <laughs> end, like he goes on a Zoom call with all his family and it brought a tear to my eye because if you don't know, he had a lot of drinking and issues uh, like when he got released from WWE and his, his dad's on the call and he just goes, Caitlin, Caitlin, that's his wife. And he goes, thank you for looking after my son. Because she was the one who kind of brought it out. And I was watching it, I was going, oh man, he better not lose. Like he's he has been, for me, he's been one of the best champions that we've had. And I know that Brock's dominated the scene for ages, so it's not much comparison, but he really has. And you can see in this documentary how much he thrives on leading and how much he he loves being the, the face of a company and doing the interviews and doing the, the, the work for the kids and stuff like that. And I hope he he, he wins and goes on to play, face someone else other than Randy Bloody Orton. Well, now you've said that, though, you've pretty much put the nail in his coffin, haven't you, <laughs> now that I'm emotionally invested in him? He's definitely going to lose. What, what, do you, what are you going for? You're going for Drew, did you, Joe? Joe? Yeah, well, just so that this can be over with. It's like three out of three, come on. That's not, enough's enough. But as I much said, who who is there for him to go off and come and take the title off him? It's a it's a good point because for me, from the draft, SmackDown's come out stronger. And I mean, much 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 stronger. I mean, that's a show I, I I'd prioritise now if I had to choose between watching mm-hmm. him. And yeah, I'm looking at it, and I don't I don't know who he would. I mean, you're talking about feuding with someone who'd elevate him. I think this year, Seth Rollins has had a very underrated year this year in what he's done. You know, he he had his Drew's first events was against Seth. They put on an excellent match, which, you know, again, it was in the COVID era. There was no crowd. But Seth basically said, I was doing it to to legitimize him as a champion. And then he's brought in Dominic, legitimized him as a person. And now he's gone to SmackDown where I think he's going to have some amazing matches. But on Raw, the Fiend's there, but I don't, no, not, no, not yet. Not now. The Fiend's off doing his own own thing at the moment, isn't he, with... um... Yeah, with Alexa, keep him away from titles as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, but who else is there? Who else is on Raw that's top level? No, now you've now you now you've said it. Um, I think I've just brought up a list because I, I literally couldn't think what because I couldn't think of the draft. I was wondering whether possibly they could go with AJ next. That's true. Turn some good matches, and is that why they've given Styles the big man bodyguard to? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, so that he can be. Um, he can counter Drew's size and scurry around him, <laughs> keep away from him. Maybe maybe he'll rival with Slapjack and Peanut. it'll be brilliant. <laughs> Melanoma. Yeah. If they do it right, we could have Mustafa Ali as a top top guy. I would hand you I'd hand your money freely to to watch that match. Because that could be a carker, but don't see it anytime soon. So our uh, final match that we currently know is a Universal Championship match, Roman versus Jey Uso. Again, hell in a cell, but with the stipulation of I quit. I quit is is just it's a brutal match as it is. It doesn't need the cell, which we've talked about. But need the cell. you know, when I when I think of I quit, I think the Rock and was it was he Mankind at the time? Which that was was it a Royal Rumble like '99 or something, and it was hard to watch, very very hard to with, watch. Was that, was that... The... basically oh, when he hang, he handcuffs him and just batters him with a chair? Yeah, the batters chairs, him with a chair, yeah. Yeah. and then plays a voiceover of him saying "I quit." But it was it was hard to watch, and you know it it didn't need a sell. They, they went around the arena, they, they utilized lots of different parts of the arena and the chairs. I don't understand why it's in a cell, but it is in a cell, and I suppose they can make use of it. Roman's going to win. There's no question yeah. as to who the winner is here. It's just going to further legitimise him. Clash of Champions. I thought that was 
well, not like the best thing. It showed off this new brutal Roman Reigns, this new sort of full heel, and he's leaning fully into it, and I really like it. And I'm hoping that they try and do something similar with this, but give Uso a little bit more of a, of a fight back chance. Because the Clash of Champions one, it was just all one-sided. It was just a straight, pretty much a squash, really. But yeah, Reigns is going to He's going to maintain it. I'm not sure what the, the, the quitting aspect of it will be, unless it's, I, I quit and you have to now call me tribal chief. But that's the only thing I can see, the I quit stipulation. But it's not like I quit wrestling. I mean, the, the stipulation makes sense because of the way Clash of Champions ended, because he didn't quit. It was it was Jimmy who threw in the, literally threw in the towel. So the, the stipulation makes the world of sense. I quit. Um, I'm assuming, like, I'm not up on it, but I'm assuming the tribal chief stuff is like, I think they're really putting across the, the heritage and and the family side of it, and I'm assuming that is part of... Got to assume this match, or maybe not assume, but how I'd like it to go is he beats Jay to the point where we don't see Jay for a very long time. And then once Jimmy's fit, they both come back and we get the bloodline uh, stable of the three of them together. Um, And yeah, they've submitted to him, which feeds into the story, and they reign over... Smackdown for the foreseeable future. I, th- I think that's the only sensible way to go with the story. And Jay wants that. He did a, I think it was of Alex McCarthy who did an interview and he said, it's there. The, the story's there. It's uh, Sometimes if something's so obvious, you, you've got to do it. It's it, 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 like you say, it's right there and it, it'd be brilliant because they've done it before in FCW as a stable, obviously not on the same scale, but it, it, it worked and they've got such good chemistry together, all three of them. Like when they've been in tag matches together in the past, been brilliant. So there's no reason that wouldn't work. So the, the story should lean into that as heavy as possible. What where does Roman go next after that? Because I'm assuming they wouldn't do a third match between. He'll have them. a couple more feuds, I think, with mid to uppers to establish himself leading into Raw Rumble, and there'll be a bigger one for then. Maybe maybe Seth would be a good one. I'm I'm desperate for that. I've not seen enough one-on-one matches yeah. between them. And I think I think that can and the last match they had that was a singles had one of my favorite my second favorite counter I've ever seen which was the spear into the pedigree my first favorite being the curb stomp into the RKO at WrestleMania I, f- I feel like the arrival with Seth could play into the story he's doing I know Seth isn't bloodline family but they were brothers in the shield and Seth was always regarded in the shield as as the the architect that was his name wasn't it? he yeah. was the architect he was he was the one who ran it basically Roman was the muscle and Motsley slash Ambrose was the, the lunatic there like a rivalry them where Roman's basically saying you you say I I was the boss I am the boss I am the one like he's doing with Jay now like say I'm the boss of the family having a rivalry with Seth where he's doing that could be good. The only thing that doesn't work is the both heels. I'm also torn, I'm torn where you go after that. Like, I'm, with Reigns, I think you've got to think towards Mania. And I think I'd, I'd love to see him against Big E at Mania. But then other part of me, there's been a lot of talk of the Rock hasn't they're coming back for him. The story, story obviously leads well into that. Yeah. And then if he beats the Rock at Mania, whoever does eventually beat him has a massive rub then, doesn't it? So... It should all try and lead to that if they can make it work with Dwayne. I believe there's some sort of insurance issue, though. It would be good. I've, I've even heard like a crazy rumour that they could, they could bring back Rikishi just as an in-between yeah, to, uh, to continue uh, in beating down the family. As much as I like, his, they can't yeah. bring Rikishi back. How he, old must he be now? Stuff. He was never the most exciting wrestler to watch, face. was he? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how that I need that 20 years later. <laughs> 
No, but they could have him come out and, and Rikishi be all like, you have to stop this. We're all a family. and Just to maintain it, keep it going. Yeah. He's not going to wrestle. That would work, yeah. Too, too far too seriously old by halves and not in that good shape to be able to keep doing that. that that'll be it for this week. Next week's topics and match to watch. Do we have one? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we will. Got lots of potentials. There's no pay per views, is there? There's no pay per views next week, is there? Uh, we'll put them on the, the social media nonsense. Yeah. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at dammitvincepod. You can send us an email at Vince at gmail or recently we have set up an instagram um whatever that is i don't fully know or understand what it is but someone else is in charge of that we'll put all the information up on there for you next week if you can whatever format you listen to this on whether it be apple or spotify or any of those things please give it a like and a share and write a review Please try and write nice reviews, constructive reviews, if you can, because it helps us. We're only, you know, three guys doing this out of our bedroom. Uh, not the same bedroom. That'd be weird. You can... <laughs> so this is for good. Yeah, just, just let us know that you're out there, basically. That's it for this week. Thank you very much. Um, play the chair. <laughs> and me are going now. Oh, yeah, no. Not that one. <laughs> Oh, the kids won. Oh, man. There's too many buttons. I should label. Firefly Funhouse one. See you all next week. There it is. Good. Bye-bye.